All right, y'all don't go to sleep now just because it's raining. It's been raining for five days, six days, so let's, uh, we, it's coming to an end, hopefully, soon. All right, this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5 through 7. It will not, we won't start in our main text, but I want you to start there. And you guys has, have heard me teach on this, and it's a different subject matter this time. And I'm going to read out of Deuteronomy 6, and then we're going to turn to Luke 10, just to see it in the New Testament. And I'll tell you the title of my lesson in just a second, as we took this thing to the wee hours of the morning. Sorry, care group leaders, I started getting texts last night, what's the lesson on? None of your business. Enjoy your sleep. Now, I was working it out last night, right? Um, typically, that's not the case. I usually am working on it all week, and we, I've been reading on some other things, and God just took a left turn a little bit here. All right, <clears throat> so Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 says this. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. This is very important. This is what I taught on last time I taught out of this uh, probably a couple years ago. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house And when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, okay, turn with me to Luke 10. If you, if you have a Bible, turn with Luke 10 or your technology and I'll read you there because it's the same thing. Jesus is being approached by one of those nasty lawyers. I'm just kidding for those who practice law here in our class. Just joking. All right. In Luke 10, 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Cannot be a more important question asked in all the Bible. What can I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? Question mark. What is your reading of it? Question mark. What's your interpretation of it? So he answered and said this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said, that is capital H, Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. Now we know the rest of that, that that continues by the way, he doesn't just stop there and um, he starts taking that that lawyer apart a little bit as he starts to try to test him and Jesus gives it to him. So my lesson this morning is this. We just read that you're to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Okay. Here's the question. Do you and I adore the Lord? Do you and I adore the Lord? We just heard from Scripture, both Old and New Testament. We heard from Jesus' lips through the writings uh, of of, uh, Luke that he says that we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. So my question is, do you? Do you adore God? Somebody define for me, what does the word adore mean? Why did I put that instead of love? What's adore mean? Cherish, yep. What's that? Yep. 100%. 100%. I think the newborn baby, the newborn baby, just Jesus adoring 
You adore the baby. Yeah, yeah. All consuming. I like that. 100%. Um, we, we think of love, and I know that there's all kinds of, you know, we could go into the Latin, into the Greek, and all that stuff, and talk about um, the different definitions of love. And we've studied the love chapter. I think, actually, Brian's taught on that. I've taught on that over the last few years. But the reality is when you adore something, you want to spend time with that something or someone. Um, I, I'm often thought, thought going back when we are in our relationships and we're at the start of a relationship when you finally realize whenever that is for some of you, you know, maybe the first date for some of you five years later, whatever it is, uh, when you fall in love with your spouse, you're consumed, okay, with your love for that spouse. Now, I understand we should say at 80 years old, if we've lived with a spouse for 50, 60, 70 years, that we love that person in a different way. We know them, we are one with them and all those things. But that adore, to me, when I just think of it, whether I'm right right uh, or not, I'll leave that up to you. But when you think of adoring someone, you think of, man, I'm consumed. I, I think about this person day and night. And I want to be with this person. Or like you said, with a baby, you adore them. You would do anything for them. So now let me read that again. Do you adore God? Our genetic makeup as human beings, when I was looking at this and studying it, is to seek direction, and watch this, and purpose in relationship. We'll come back to the adore. It's to seek direction from something or someone, purpose and relationship. But notice this, with someone bigger than we are. Okay? We call it worship. We desire, can't explain it, it's in here. We have something built in us that we want direction, rules. We want, and and this all gets into psychology, which a lot of you... I know have gone to school for it. We have something on the inside of us that tells us that we need purpose. We need relationship with someone bigger than ourselves. And it's built inside of us. I wrote this. The ultimate relationship was broken with God. Y'all agree with me was broken with God, with Adam and Eve, right? The ultimate one. But we have a chance to bring that back together. Thanks to Jesus. And God laid out the rules, and we're going to talk about those in just a second when we get to our main verse of Scripture here. But the ultimate relationship was broken with God as we know it. And we still are built for the relationship. So here's what happens. We tend to search, Jason, for those relationships if we don't have them. We we tend to search for them. So for those of us who are gods and we committed to God, that's our relationship. He's our all in all. The Bible says that we love him with our heart, soul, mind. But what happens, what do we know that happens if we get a little off and we're not loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind? Well, let me do this. What happens when you love someone with your heart, soul, and mind? What do you do? You committed. So here's the example. I'm committed to my wife, but I come home for six months, Alan, lay my keys down, go to my Man cave, kick back my chair, watch TV till I fall asleep. Six months in a row. Do I adore her? I say I do, but my actions say no. 
When you love someone, you build a relationship with that someone. It's relational. And believe it or not, even though you're not taught this in school, certainly, inside of us, inside, we want relations with people. That's what God built us for. That's why he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You know that scripture? Tons of people say, I can sit at home and get all the church I need. Watch me now. You can't get at home and get all the church you need. You can get home and get all the words you need. You can get in the word. You can watch it on TV. But what are you missing? Relationships. Iron sharpens iron, correct? We need relationships. So if you tell me you're a Christian, by definition, God laid out in the Old Testament, God laid out in the New Testament through the inspired word of God and Jesus from his own lips, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and spirit, and everything else you can do. Love him. Adore him. Then Jesus said, and this is not to throw a curveball, if you love me, Mark, you will what? Keep my commandments. Well, that's pretty tough. Because I already have lost, because here I am, Mark, and I can't even not covet. So how can I keep your commandments and love you? Because I covet. Do you covet? Absolutely. I saw you looking at that Corvette the other day that drove by your house. (laughs) Alan's a car guy. Yep, we covet. But yet Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But watch. Y'all remember this. It's a while ago. I've taught several times on this. We know we can't, Paul, keep the commandments in its entirety, but yet Jesus said, keep my commandments if you love me. Watch this word, though. Jesus taught principles. So I got to be careful here. I'm walking that fence line, John. Jesus knows we can't keep the commandments because that's why Jesus came. Y'all got me? The law couldn't be obeyed fully, but yet Jesus came to abolish the law. It doesn't mean that the law shouldn't be followed. If you can follow it and and you obey it, it's good. And we're going to learn that this morning. But the reality is you can't keep the law. But you can keep principles. The principles are, I read this last night, are a carving that God gives us a pathway. You know, is it Proverbs, Brian, or Psalms that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways, he shall direct your path. He gives you the light with his word, and you follow the path. It's a principles. So some people would say, well, that's not in the word of God. Find me somewhere where it says this in the word of God. And there's all kinds of subject matters that that, they cover. But you know what I'll guarantee you? All the theologians that are way, 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 way smarter than me, Ravi Zacharias, Ken Ham, all these guys, our own pastor Johnny Hunt, and all these folks... You can look at that word and you can find a principle that will guide you in that decision. Correct? Okay. We see the very struggle. See this very struggle in all the Old and New Testaments. Uh, The 66 books, letters of the Bible show the story of lost and weak man. Watch this. Lost and weak woman searching for strong and loving God. But some of the groups, and you know who they are, we're about to read about one of them. Some of the groups, they don't find strong God. They find the first thing that hits in front of them, and the first thing they desire, they put it in front of them, and they begin to worship that 
instead of worshiping the true God. Okay? So, join me in Exodus chapter 32. Do you adore God? The definition of adore, while you're finding Exodus 32. To adore, to love, to worship, to care for deeply. I like some of y'all's definitions better, actually. When you love God and adore Him, you want and need to spend time with Him. You wish to please Him. You respect Him and His commandments. Principles are critical to you. Principles are critical. Bless you. All right, let me give you the background and we'll jump right into the Scripture. All right? Here's the background. And I thought, I thought sure as the world, God was going to let me teach on, on something different. And it had to do with just before this, I had been studying for some weeks on the tabernacle. And some of you go, oh, yawn. Well, that's exactly why I was forcing myself to go down that road. If I were to ask you, could you map out the tabernacle right here on the board for us? Could you tell me what's in the tabernacle, why it's in the tabernacle? You know what? The answer for that question for me, Paul, was no earlier. So I've been studying on that, and that's just prior to this, right? And that's Old Testament. So here's what we got. We got Exodus, the very name, the Exodus, coming out of where? Egypt. We got 400 years of bondage. We have Joseph way back before. I'm going too far back, but Joseph, who rescues his own family, Jacob comes over, and they begin to populate. And at first, it's a great deal. It's a great deal for their family, Phil. They're rescued from the famine. They're known well because Joseph is second in command. But somehow through 400 years, they become slaves for the Egyptians. Now, we just take that and we just brush right over that because none of us have ever been slaves. They were slaves. And here comes Moses. He doesn't want to do it. He gets Aaron, and you know the rest of the story. I counted at least 17 miracles. And when I say miracles, I mean miracles. I mean, you know... Clouds full of locusts coming. You know, I mean, miracles. Quail coming into the camp. Man, I'm hungry. Here comes all the quail. You know, feathers going everywhere. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist just to grab a quail and say, well, there's food right there. God just provided it, right? I'm talking miracles. I'm not talking about being in the hospital and you're sick and God moves with medical. I'm talking flat out, right before you, unbelievable miracles, the parting of the Red Sea, all that stuff. 17, I counted at least. Okay, that's where we're at. Yet I got my boys, as I call them, the Israelites, in this chapter. And for the life of me, I can't figure out what they're doing. But then God shows me what we do. And I hope that you'll see that and maybe it'll make a difference. The focus of our lesson is certainly our title is, Do You Adore God? The focus is, how close are you been to the golden calf? How close are you? Let's read. Exodus 32. You know, did I cover all that background? I just got carried away. Hold on. <clears throat> Let me read these just real quick. They have been liberated free from Egypt. Y'all got that. The ver- the v- their very nation is about to be born. That's pretty important. We just celebrated our birthday. Formed with an eventual place on land that they could call home. Think about it. They've been working everyone else's home. Now they're about to get their own land. For those of us who like land, I do. That's my dream one day is to have my own farm. Not like it's in pigs and all that, but like land. Okay? They're going to get their own land. They were chosen as a special people. Ah, they were supposed to be a priestly nation, Greg. 
that people would see and say, they serve the one true God. All these other gods mean nothing. Look at Israel. Look what God has done for them. And time and time again, we read that. And somehow they keep getting lost in themselves here. They would show that they were the one, that God was the one true God and other nations would see. Here's something else. Moses and Joshua, just prior to this, Joshua comes on the scene. He's Moses' assistant. Y'all think Aaron is, and Aaron was, but Aaron's left back at the camp. You're about to hear it. Joshua is introduced, and Joshua goes up with Moses. He's called to Mount Sinai. And y'all know this as he's about to get the Ten Commandments. That's what you know it for. Moses is called, and remember now, just prior to this, God speaks to the nation of Israel right there in thunderings. It's so loud. What do the people say? Y'all remember? They're scared to death, and they said, let Moses tell us, because we can't handle it. You remember, it literally bowed them down. They were so scared. It would be like the loudest thunderstorm, which we've had some lately, that hits at your house and your kids jump up out of the bed and they're in your bed in two seconds. And truth be known, you're scared to death too. God is speaking in that kind of authoritative voice is what I got. So they say, we just rather hear it from Moses. So Moses is called and God takes him up. And somewhere along the way, Joshua's left a little bit behind and he stays with Moses and they go on up the mountain and the glory of the Lord, I love that, is on the mountaintop. And God says, make sure your people do not come on this mountain. Y'all remember? That's where we're at. Now let's pick it up. Remember, 17 plus miracles. They've seen it all, Greg. Here we go. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed, I, 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 have, to, I have to stop on several of these. He's, he, I read backwards. You have to read backwards. I think it's in 28 or 24 chapter. It says Moses is going to be there 40 days. Imagine that, right? That number. 40 days. I don't know what he told the people, Paul. I do know this. The scripture's about to tell us. He said, I'll be back. That's what he said. But they must have thought he's going to be gone a day. He's going to be gone two weeks. He's in a conversation with God. I mean, y'all, y'all get that? With God. He's not going to say, hey, God, I need to get back down the hill here. Um, uh, the people are waiting on me. Now, listen. Now when the people saw Moses delayed... Coming down, by the way, that's in uh, Exodus 24, 18. Coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, and I, I never saw this. I've read Exodus 32, I don't know how many times. So have you in Bible study, if you've been in vacation Bible study. But did you ever see this? For as for this Moses... The man, I underline that, who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Let me pause there. Why did I make a big deal about that? Why didn't they say, why did they not say, Paul, God brought us out of Egypt, but Moses is delayed? They could have said it that way. They said, as for Moses, the man, you know what they were doing there? They were giving credit to Moses, Paul. For bringing them out of Egypt. Moses was the vehicle, folks. God could have used anybody. And by the way, he will later on when Moses doesn't get to go in the promised land, right? God, in this proverbial example, is the engine. He can use Ben. He can use Paul. He can use Mark. He can use a donkey. He can use a storm. 
God is the engine. But here, the people don't give God the credit yet. 17, Phil, plus miracles. They've seen God do it. They've seen Moses raise the staff. They know God is in the miracle business. And yet, they look, and I'm going back to that, what I opened the scripture, uh, opened the lesson with. We have something in here that says we need to worship somebody and somebody needs to lead us. That is God, by the way. And right here, the people slipped Moses in, Mark, before God. They just told me that they worship the Johnny Hunt of the day, not the God Almighty, the God, the Creator God. They, they put Moses up there and say, I don't know what happened to him. I've seen that hill lit up all for 40 days. I've seen the lightning. I doubt Moses is coming back. God just, he, he just killed Moses. I don't know what they said, but they, th- they said, he's delayed. He ain't coming. And I don't know about you, but we need to get some worship going on down here. So watch what happens. Verse 2, and Aaron said to them, I wish I could read to you that Aaron said, are you crazy? Are you people out of your mind? That's not what he said. And Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. Sounds like America. A lot of earrings. That's an inside joke. I had to tell Blake last night at the baseball game why one of the players had two earrings. I said, well, they're, the Jewish people had earrings, son, so no, I didn't. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it in, in, with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they, not Aaron, they said, the people, this is your God. O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Let me just give you my mind's eye. I don't know. Maybe this is just movie theatrics. I say Aaron has got the pressure of the world on him. I mean, there's two million people. And there's a bunch of men saying, where's Moses at? You know, that kind of stuff. And they put the pressure on him. So he goes probably, this is just me. It's not scripture. He's sweating it out, Mark. And he goes and he makes this golden calf. He gets all the earrings and he's buying time. I don't know. Where's Moses, you know? Well, he doesn't get a backbone and stand up to him, probably because they would have stoned him to death, but he doesn't do that. And then I envision when he makes it, I envision a couple men in front of all the masses of leaders of men saying, we'll worship this. And I don't think, based on all the reading I did, and you can decide for yourself, I don't think they meant it to replace the Lord, and I'll show you that in a minute. I think they thought, that we can worship this thing and it'll kind of be a tribute to the Lord. But man, when you do that, all hell breaks loose. Excuse me, children. And when I say that, you're going to find out in a second. He's going to define it in New King James Version, American Standard Version, very, very lightly, but I'm going to tell you what it really means based on my study. Watch this. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And that was a critical error right there. He built an altar before a golden calf, a piece of metal. By the way, do you know that Aaron will be the the high priest? Because I've been reading before I thought I was going to teach this. I've been reading prior chapters where God is instructing just prior to this how the tabernacle is going to be how Aaron and his descendants are going to be dressed. I mean, y'all have read that before, right? You you might get lost and bored in some of it, but exactly 
I mean, everything that Aaron's supposed to have on, how he's supposed to sprinkle the blood, and we have Aaron right here building an altar to a false god, going against the commandments that are being fingered by God himself as they're doing it. They're committing adultery spiritually against God. It's really amazing how it lays out. Here it is, what I was telling you earlier. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is the feast of the Lord. You notice, he didn't say the feast of the golden calf. He said the feast of the Lord. So that, what, that makes me believe that Aaron still had the Lord in mind, but he was going to give the people what they wanted, but he was going to direct them back to the Lord. But he made a critical error, and watch what happens. He's the spiritual leader while Moses is away. Moses made that clear in chapter 24, which we didn't read. Then they rose early on the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down, watch, to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Well, that's a kind word, play. You know what that word means from what I study? They had orgies. They went from God's people going through the Red Sea, celebratory, worshiping God, where Moses gave them commands and they said, we will follow wholeheartedly to just a short period of time. They were worshiping and drinking and doing things they had no business doing. Does that sound familiar? We're a Christian nation. What are we, 237 years old now? Is that right? And yet, look at what we do. You might say, well, we don't have idolatry, don't we? We fill 90,000 people in a stadium and scream for people and, you know, rock concerts and do, I mean, we worship with our time and our money. We've got it so backwards and the children of Israel had just seen all these miracles and they fall into this and they begin to eat, drink, and play. And I just can't help but God's th- sitting up there going, do you adore me? Look what I just did for you. And the Lord said to Moses, exclamation point, by the way, go get down. I don't know if this is true, Paul, but I don't know if God had been conversating and explaining to Moses. Who knows what? It was awesome. 40 days with God talking. And God begins to finger out on the tablets front and back. And as he's doing that, down the hill, his own people are what you and I would say. This is how serious it was, even more serious, actually. i got to conclude here. They're having spiritual adultery on God. And he's preparing this law that Moses is going to come down and set this nation up and literally God stops in the middle of that and says get down go see what watch what he says Brian he doesn't say he's been saying let my people go and he's about to reverse that you watch him then the Lord said to Moses go get down for what your people whom you brought out that's kind of like Amy and I right I say uh yeah uh, Amy you need to get your kids in here and she knows what I'm talking about, and she does the same thing to me. And this one's not funny. He doesn't use my people, and I guess it's because of the disobedience whom you brought out of the land of Egypt. 
have corrupted themselves and they have turned aside quickly out of the way. Notice he used that word quickly, in which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed it, uh, sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, lowercase g, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And I'll close with this uh, last scripture. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and indeed it is a stiff necked people. What's that mean? Stubborn. Their way. They got to have it their way. See that, that thing inside of us that says we got to worship somebody, something. We got to follow the rules and God's about to apply that. And God's allowing them to love and God wants to be loved. And by the way, that's why he created us is to love him. And by the way, that's what we're going to do in heaven. So if you don't like that, you're not going to like heaven. But sin is in the camp. And it even there's a scripture, I'm not going to read any more of that. There's a scripture that says Joshua heard the cries of the camp. And he knew they weren't in war. And they hadn't celebrated victory in war. And he was thinking, what is going down? What is going on down the hill? And if you were to read this rest of this chapter, when Mo, you, you see some anger come out in Moses, right? Righteous anger. He slams the tablets down when he sees what grosses him out. Can you imagine, he, Joshua, we got to go. We got to get down the hill. God just, I mean, we were talking and his face is bright because he's got Shekinah glory. His face is probably tan like some of y'all get out. And he's like, we got to get down the hill. God just sent me down. He's mad. And they're going down the hill. And then when he turns that corner and the people are doing what things you can imagine, adults, what's going on, Moses is upset. By the way, the people do not get off. 3,000 men would die that day. And they would be plagued according to the scripture. Read it for yourself. Here's something I want to say before I let you go. Do you adore God? Let's get back to self-application. Religion, folks, is dangerous. It's dangerous. It can become twisted so easily. You see what just happened? They went from adoring God, supposedly, and worshiping God to putting Moses in the place like so many church houses do today, putting their pastor, the Charles Stanleys of the world, uh, Billy Grahams, whoever, they're human. They put them at this pinnacle and they say, man, that's who I've got my eyes on. And they've got their eyes on the wrong person. And then not only that, they began to retard the worship of God into something that it was never meant to be because Satan gets one little foothold in there and he twisted on you. Do you adore God or do you have religion? Here's what I wrote. Religion is not relationship, is it? That's not relationship. I'm not, I am not calling out. I'm just telling you the honest truth. As a child, I had many friends that were Catholic. Good friends. And I would go to their church and they would come to my church. And man, they didn't know what was going on when they came to my church. What is that lady crying in the altar for with her hands raised? Would I go to their church? And I was like, what did the pastor just say? What did the priest just say? Oh, well, that's uh, blah, 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 blah. And I know different Catholic churches like Baptist church, a difference. But I mean, I could see the religious practice over and over again. And I didn't have to wonder long. And I'm just being honest because I went. I, I didn't, I'm not just saying this from reading. I was in the services. When they began to pray for people that had died and already died and try to pray them into heaven, I thought, my gosh, what, what's going on here? Because I know the scripture, does, I couldn't find it. It was confusing to me. Religion is dangerous. 
Religion is not relationship. Religion demands obedience to a set of rules. And watch this. And then guess what men do to rules? Y'all got that, right? Podcast didn't get that if you're listening later. They twist them. They add to them. The Pharisees began to add, 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 add. And God still said, you can add all the rules you want, but you're dirty. You're dirty on the inside. He called them vipers. I'm almost done. Religion demands obedience to a set of rules made by men, while relationship, watch this, requires careful examination of the principles of God set forth in his word. In other words, God carved that pathway I talked about to follow within his word that established solid principles that if we love him, we will adhere to. We won't be perfect, Mark, but we will adhere to the principles because they're in here. God's on the inside. He's changing us on the inside. Religion exalts leaders instead of God's word. God's word does the transforming folks, not mankind. Billy Graham never transformed a soul. He was the instrument to God's word that got inside of Paul and inside of preachers and inside of people and inside of the old lady and changed her. The people chose Aaron. Because they could tell Aaron what to do. They didn't choose Moses. Because if you chose Moses and tried to do that, he had a little bit of a temper. (laughs) And he was going to tell you what God said. Now, did Moses do wrong? Yes, he did. But I'm going to tell you what. If any of us was in the place of Moses, I doubt we would have made it as far as Moses made it. Incredible leader. Incredible leader. I told you I wasn't going to read anything else, but I lied. I am closing with this. I just want y'all to hear this because I wrote it down later. James chapter 1. Oh, yes. The honesty of James. Heck. Let me do this. I don't have it marked. I think it's 15. This is the last one, I promise. James 1. I think it's 15. All right, you got it? Here we go. This is talking about the birth of sin. Listen to me. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, you read that, you don't get a whole lot of it. But if you break that down, here's here's what it's saying, Alan. The desire to sin is inside of me. I was born with sin nature and so were you. We're Christians, but we're born with sin nature. When I desire something, Bob... That's where sin is born. It bursts. We think of the devil. Well, the devil can't make you do it. Desire is here, Mark. If I desire something and then sin presents itself, that's where it's conceived and the end is death once it's conceived. These people and we people in this United States of America and in our town of Woodstock and so forth, in our families, we desire to sin... So therefore we sin. You fall in love with God, you adore God, I'll guarantee you when sin knocks at the door, you'll know it's sin. God will, ch- God will tell you. It's that old proverbial, Holy Spirit. Don't do it. John, stop. John. I mean, that, that, I mean, if you're close with God, I guarantee you might not hear it out loud, but you can hear it right here. Here's what I challenge you today. Ask God, do you adore him enough? 
Do you spend time with him? Do you adore him? Do you want to be in the worship service we're about to walk in here? Or are you just here for religious purposes? If you are, leave. Because you ain't going to get anything out of it. If you're here to love God and to love on God and be with your brothers and sisters, you're going to get a lot out of it. Guess what you're getting practice for? Heaven. That's what we're going to do in heaven. Sorry. Sorry about that. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this group. Thank you for the attention. Be with our folks that couldn't be here today. God, I pray this. This is for me, Lord, not for the people here. This is me. Draw the circle around and pray for everybody inside the circle. Lord, help me to love you more. Help me to appreciate what you've done for me. Help me to look at, look at this story about the Israelites, which is a famous story. And instead of wagging my finger at them saying, I can't believe they did this. There, but the grace of God goes I. I mean, I, I, I've had miracles. I'm on the other side of Jesus. You gave me a savior. You gave me the ability to love and adore you in every day of life. Lord, help me to realize where I fall short and get in line. And help me to do your commandments and stay in the principles of what you teach me in your word. Lord, bless this people as we go and help.